Amen. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. That sounds decent. I guess everybody's doing all right. Well, church, I don't know about y'all, but the Holy Spirit is moving in this place in a powerful way today. Amen? He is moving in a powerful way, and if you have been here with us the last couple of weeks, then you know that God has been moving, God has been working, and he is working today, even in our midst, and you know, there's just something on my heart that I've just got to share right up here up front, just uh, something I want to ask of you uh, real quick. Uh, right after the 9 o'clock service, I actually met a new friend, and uh, I just know that God's working in his heart because he came to me and asked me if we could do coffee uh, later today because he is agnostic, and he's got questions about faith. So at 3 o'clock today, church, would you commit to praying with me today for this young man, this new friend of mine? Would you do that with me? Thank you so much. God is moving in a mighty way. And y'all, I'm just blown away already today that that's exactly what it's about. It's about the one who God follows after, chases after because he loves us and he loves us today. Amen? We can rest in that truth and celebrate that truth today. Well, hey, y'all, my name is Justin Abercrombie. I am not Brandon Williams, so I think the skinny jeans probably gave that away. But uh, I'm so happy to be here with you today, home in Statesboro. I serve as our student pastor here, which means that I get to preach the gospel to middle and high school students. And I'll share with you quickly about just all the amazing things. We can agree that God is doing amazing things in and through our church, and he's doing amazing things in and through our students too. Just in the last few weeks, we have seen three students get baptized, take their next step of faith by doing baptism, and then two students surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. Church, can we celebrate that together today? Amen. Amen. God is doing a mighty work, and I believe that he wants to do a mighty work in and through us today as we come now just to continue worship, but through his word. And Chase, I know you're backstage, but anytime you ask, is it okay to keep going, I'll go ahead and answer for everybody. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, we're going to continue to worship now through God's word. Um, one thing first. Hey, happy Labor Day weekend to you. Looking forward to celebrating, getting a day off tomorrow, and then happy beginning of football season because I know that we're excited about that. You see, I graduated from the greatest university in America, Georgia Southern, so I got to say, go Eagles. Now, I understand that there are some people in the room who cheer for the team in Athens. I do not. Um, but, but, you can celebrate, you can cheer, it's fine. You have the freedom in Christ to do so, okay? All right? We'll just go ahead and just establish that right there. You will not hear me say, yeah, anything about that team in Athens. But hey, happy again to be here with you today. Of course, we are starting a new book in Scripture. We're walking through this 412 reading plan, church. I hope and I pray that you're walking through this as well because it's been just so encouraging, so uplifting to me to know that as I open God's Word each and every day that there is an entire church, an entire body of believers who is reading and walking through that Scripture and hearing from God in that Scripture at the exact same time. And the beauty is, is that God is speaking different things to our hearts, but it's all focused on Christ Jesus, just being enriched by him, uplifted, encouraged by him each and every day. And so if you've been doing the 412 reading plan, then you know today we are starting 1 Corinthians. So if you got your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Of course, just a little groundwork while you're getting there for the book of 1 Corinthians. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And in just a minute, we're going to get a little bit better understanding of the context here, what's going on in Corinth. But first, let's read the scripture. We're actually going to read verses 5 through 17 and then stop and pray. So if you're there, 
read along with me. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind me. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Church, listen to this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Church, would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for just the ways that you are already moving about in this place. King Jesus, you are awesome in this place today. God, we know that you are here. We know that you are moving, but God, we just ask that you would continue to do so. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, God, to invade our hearts, Lord. And I pray for each and every person in this room, God, even myself right now, Lord, that no matter what it is that we may have walked in this room with, God, that we would just lay those things down, God, and embrace the freedom that is ours and can be ours in your son, Christ Jesus. Lord, your word tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God, there is freedom in this place because you are here. So God, I pray that we would experience you in a mighty way today, Lord, that we would grow in our knowledge of you, that we would grow in our love of you. But God, I pray that you would just grab a hold of our hearts, Lord, that you would open our hearts to the truth of who you are. Lord, if we know you, God, that you would grow us as we've just read, Lord, that you are responsible for the growth. God, we pray that you would grow us in our relationship with you. And God, for those in the room, even like my friend in the first service who has questions, Lord, and senses you calling him to yourself, God, I pray that you would do that for more here in this time together as the church, Lord, that you would open eyes, perhaps for the first time, to the truth of who you are, that together we would receive and believe the gospel, that we would be the church that you have called us to be uni unified, God, around the good news of what your son, Christ Jesus, has done for us. So God, continue to move in our hearts, Lord. Give us the ability to be honest, to evaluate where we are, Lord, and just come before you, Lord. We are here for you. We are expectant to hear from you. Speak to us now, Lord, through your word. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, church, I've got a question for you just right up front, and I'm going to go ahead and just put this out there. This question is actually pretty general. It's pretty vague, but I actually, you know, purposed it that way because I feel like almost everybody in the room, if you're being completely honest, that like you would admit to this. So just tell me, just with a show of hands, has anybody ever had to reevaluate some things in their life? Anybody? 
Yep, me. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think mine's like raised up here, like big, 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 big time. I have to reevaluate things in my life all the time, right? And like, I don't know what it is for you, but like, maybe you realize that like something that you were doing, like a certain way that you were living, isn't actually where you needed to be. And so, like, you had to stop and you had to reevaluate some things, right? Anybody like tracking with me so far? I'll be honest with you, in the most loving way possible, some of y'all are liars because if you are married, then you have to reevaluate things each and every day, right? Right? Now I'm going to go ahead and preface this with this. Now, I am not married, but I am engaged. My beautiful fiance, Katie, is here, and she can, like, say yes and amen to everything I'm just about to tell you. I can tell you this. Ever since I got engaged to Katie, I've learned that I really have to reevaluate some things in life, Right? I really have to, because like the certain way that I was living, like when you start, you know, doing this, like you're single, right? You're used to a certain way, and then you get engaged, or you get married, and like everything changes, right? And like I'm already learning in the engagement process that like I'm a much bigger sinner than I thought I was. Like anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> like you realize, like it's easy to admit that like, oh yeah, you're in a relationship with a sinner, right? But it's really hard to admit that they're in a relationship with a sinner too, Right? But I've realized that, and it's caused me to reevaluate some things for the good of my relationship with Katie. Like even in driving, right? She drives to Rink in Georgia every single day for a job. And she was putting like 100 miles on her car, right? And that ain't going to work when you're filling up like four times a week. And so like I had to, mm, I didn't want to, right? But I had to go and purchase one of them ugly Toyota Priuses. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, they are ugly, but y'all can't beat 52 miles to the gallon, y'all. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, I was used to living a certain way, and then I realized, okay, I got to reevaluate some things, and I got to change it up, right? We have to reevaluate some things in our lives for the good of our relationships. Well, now, church, the reason that I even introduce you to that is because, you see, we as the church, we as the body of believers, the very people of God, ought to be a people who, above all, reevaluate our lives in light of God's truth to see if we're lining up, right? Because here's the thing, is that if God's word is the big T truth, it's the ultimate authority in our lives, well, number one, it means that there are some areas in our life that do not line up with it, and number two, it means that we have no right to have our own opinions or excuses because God's word is true, because God is God and we are not. Amen? We have to submit to that. We have to obey that, even though we don't want to. I didn't want to buy a Toyota Prius, right? If God is God and I'm not, then that means that there are some things in his word that don't exactly line up with me, my point of view. But what I have to do is set those to the side and say, God, I submit to you because of who you are and what you have called me to do. You know, Paul writes about this elsewhere in the Bible. In Romans 12, he says that do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That happens by receiving the truth of God's word, reevaluating our lives in light of that word, and responding to the Holy Spirit's leading. Amen? That is what we as Christians ought to be. Never claiming that we've got it together. Never claiming to be perfect. But rather being honest about our weaknesses and saying that we are imperfect, but we praise and worship a perfect God. And his word, his character, his heart is perfect. We have to reevaluate our hearts each time we receive God's word. 
Now, that's also really important because, you see, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing for the church in Corinth. You see, he has visited there and he planted seeds, as he says in that passage that we just read. But then he left and now he's writing back to this body of believers there. And now what has happened is since he has been there, there has been a teacher of the gospel, a good godly man, Apollos, who has come in and he has also started teaching the gospel. Now the thing is, the church in Corinth is now split because some of them prefer the teaching of Paul. Some of them prefer the teaching of Apollos. And the reason that they're really kind of shifting towards Apollos is because he has this wow factor. And Paul has no hatred in his heart for Apollos, but rather he is just encouraging the church here to reevaluate what you are doing. You claim to be focused on the things of God, yet you're focused on the things of man, still claiming to be focused on the things of God. Church, we're guilty of the same thing. But you see, as a result, what has happened here is that this church, this body of believers, they are constantly striving for the deeper thing, that deeper wisdom and truth, this spirituality, kind of like what we hear about all today in our modern day and age. They're striving for this, right? But Paul is saying, you have missed it. You have missed it. You are not making the main thing the main thing because it's not about going deeper. It's simply about relying on God to grow you with the wisdom of the cross, right? And as a result, this church is split. He's split. But Paul reasons with them, and he brings them to that realization. So if hopefully you still have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to look back just a page before to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is what Paul writes to that church, starting in verse 14, to introduce them to this thought of you claim to be spiritually mature, but you are not. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now stop just a moment because there are some key things that we need to identify here to really understand what Paul is saying. And the first one is that term, the natural person. Maybe your Bible looks a little bit different, but you're kind of getting the gist of what's going on there. Well, you see, actually, if you were to translate that word like straight up into English, there really is no right-on translation. But one of the closest things that we can find is a word which I'm going to call soul-ish. Soul-ish. And what this means is like considering the soul that we have inside of us, Paul is saying that this group of people, natural people, are not being driven by the gospel, not being driven by the Holy Spirit, the spiritual people, but rather they are being driven by their inner selves. They are being driven by their inner desires. Church, I pray that we would not be this people. But Paul is introducing us to this thought. You see, one of the good indicators of maybe I might be in this natural person camp is, well, think about this. If God always agrees with you, you might not be so in tune with him. It's the truth. If God always agrees with you, as if you give him your plans and purposes and wait for him to stamp approved on them, you might not be actually in tune with him. And this is the natural people that Paul is talking about. And you see the reason they are so ignorant they don't want to comprehend the wisdom of God. Remember, it's folly. It's foolishness to them. They don't want to. They can't and they don't want to. 
And you see the wisdom that Paul is ultimately saying that they are neglecting, that they are forgetting these natural people is the wisdom of the cross. Church, hear me loud and clear today. All of the world's wisdom and almost everywhere that we go, we can find somebody trying to offer us wisdom and good advice, but it cannot hold a candle to the good news of the gospel. All the world's wisdom cannot hold a candle to the wisdom of the cross. Amen? It is the wisdom of the cross. We'll get there. It is the wisdom of the cross that changes us. It is the wisdom of the cross that Paul says, this is what you need. This is all that you need. This is what I tried to supply you with, but you said that you were too good for it. No, this is all you need to grow. This is not foolishness. It is to the seemingly wise, but it is the greatest wisdom of all, the wisdom of the cross of Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. You see, the truth for us, church, is that today we can never graduate from the gospel. We can never graduate from the gospel. You see, there is a term found in Ephesians 3 where Paul uses the term immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus. You know what it means for something to be immeasurable? It means that you can measure it all day long. You can dig and dig and dig and dig and dig, but you will never find the bottom. That's how deep the goodness and the mercy and grace of Christ Jesus is. Amen? It's the immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus that sustain us. He is all that we need to grow. But natural people can't comprehend this. Listen to what Paul says about the spiritual person. What sets this person apart from the natural? The spiritual person, verse 15, judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Now, you know what that means? It means that this person lives without any kind of reservation. This is a person who walks in the truth of Romans 8.1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? This person is convinced of this, and nothing in this life can tear them from that truth. You see, this is a person who has been marked by the cross. And church, maybe you've experienced this to be true in your life, but I have learned this to be certain. Anybody who's been marked by the cross does not walk the same way, right? Anybody who's been marked by the cross does not walk the same way. What I mean is that they no longer walk in the old life because they realize that Jesus has brought us to the new life. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old has gone, the new has come. Someone who is convinced and is truly a spiritual person and has a close relationship with Jesus knows that they can never go back to the old life. Amen? This is the truth for us today, and I pray that we would be these people because Jesus has made it possible. Jesus not only has opened the way, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And he says, this is the new life that I have given to you. I have given it to you abundantly. And people who receive that don't turn back to the old way. The spiritual person understands this. And Paul says in verse 16, Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who can comprehend the things of God? No one, right? That's not what Paul says. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of the Messiah. 
What that means is that there is no spiritual depth too deep nor height too high for those of us who are in Christ Jesus to explore. Remember, immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus. There is nothing that is off limits for us who are in Christ. Christ has opened up our minds to this new reality, this new experience, the new truth of who he is through the abundant life that he offers, and we have it now. Christian, do you know that eternal life does not begin the day that you die? Eternal life began the day that you surrendered your life to Jesus. This is the life that Jesus has made available to you. And we can comprehend it because we have the mind of Christ. Those of us who are in Christ in the room. If you're not in Christ in the room, I don't mean to exclude you. Rather, I mean to do the exact opposite, to encourage you. I believe that God is stirring your heart even now and you're aware of that. You too can have the mind of the Messiah radically changed. And I was thinking about this week, well, what does it mean really to have the mind of the Messiah? Well, there's three things that really I was able to identify that God was putting on my heart. And the first one is this, is that the mind of the Messiah, what that means is that we know that in Christ we have all we need. For he is all-sufficient, all-sustaining. The only satisfaction that we will find in this life is finding Christ Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? We do not look for satisfaction outside of him. The wisdom of the cross tells us that in him is found everything that we need. He is all we need. And what that means for us church, because remember Paul is writing, not only should we receive this as individuals, but as the church corporately. What it means is that as the church, we have all we need. Therefore, church, we don't need any more input. God is asking us to provide more output. He's given us his Holy Spirit alive in you today. If you are in the room and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, there is nothing ordinary about you. There is everything extraordinary about you because of the Spirit of Jesus alive in you. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need more input. We need more output. And the Holy Spirit helps us to take those steps of obedience each and every day. The second thing that it means to have the mind of the Messiah, the mind of Christ, is this, is that we are focused always on the cross. We are focused always on the cross. I say this in the most loving way possible, but if you come here and you complain that we talk about the cross too much, well, we consider that a great compliment because we can never stop praising God enough for what he's done for us at the cross through his son, Christ Jesus. Amen? It's where everything changes. And you see, we never graduate from the gospel. We always return to the cross. We realize that it is there that he said, it is finished. And you and I are forgiven and can be forgiven. The mind of the Messiah is the mind of the cross. To have our eyes set on him. The third thing is that it means that we are committed to unity. We are committed to unity. You see, the place where the church in Corinth failed is that they were focused on people. They were focused on teachers, preachers, pastors. But Paul says to have the mind of Christ is to set aside those things and realize that Jesus has brought us together as a community and a body of believers. Amen? Church, look around the room for a moment. Maybe you know the people sitting beside you. Maybe you don't. But regardless... These people have stories that chances are you don't know. They've walked different 
walks of life. They've come from different places. They have different interests. The list goes on and on and on. But what brings us together today is the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that's something that only God through his spirit can do, and he has done it. We have the mind of Christ to see this, and we should rejoice in this and be thankful. We have the mind of Christ. But you see, the church in Corinth, they're thrown off. They're thinking they've got it together. They're the spiritual ones. But listen to what Paul says in 3.1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I couldn't speak to you any deeper way. You are what you are. You can't be what you aren't. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Church in Corinth, I wanted to take you deeper. I wanted to share more with you, but you wouldn't even receive the wisdom of the cross. I wanted to go there. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Did you see what Paul says is existent in this church? Jealousy and strife. And the reason is, is found in verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This church's problem is idolatry. And sadly, the majority of the church today, we have the same exact problem. But he says, realize what is at stake. Reevaluate, receive the truth of God's word and reevaluate and see that these things are taking your eyes off of God. You have made the things of man, the things of God, but God is speaking to you now and saying, reevaluate. You see, jealousy and strife cannot exist in the church because God takes it very seriously because Jesus died so that you and I may be unified unified at all costs, which means that church, you and I have to fight at all costs to bring this body of believers together because we are far greater together than any one of us individually. And God is intended for us to always be together, unified. It's what Jesus died for so that you and I may be one. And you see, unity is so important for us as a church body because we are only ever as spiritually mature and healthy, strong as we are unified. And idolatry is a direct attack on that because here is the truth, church. Any church that idolizes anything or anyone but Christ Jesus isn't the church. Isn't the church. Any church that idolizes anything but anybody but Christ Jesus is not the church. Jesus is saying, look what I have done for you, unified you. And let us with the mind of Christ realize that if God has broken down every barrier that could possibly exist between one another and between us and God, why in the world would we be a people who erect walls instead? Think about it this way. If Christ Jesus built a bridge with the cross, the people of God cannot build dividing walls. Amen? If Christ Jesus built a bridge with the cross, the people of Christ cannot build dividing walls. He has removed everything that could ever stand between you and me and one another in this room and us and God. He has removed it so that you and I may be 
unified. And Jesus says, look what I am building. Remember the promise that Jesus makes to Peter. He says, on this rock I will build my church. That Jesus himself will build his church and the gates of hell will not come against it. You know what makes us so strong? Our unity around the gospel and the wisdom of the cross of Christ Jesus. Amen? We are only ever as united as we are around the gospel. And if we are not united around the gospel, the good news of what Christ Jesus has done for us, then you and I are not unified at all. It has to be the gospel. And we never graduate from the gospel. So what we must do is constantly, in light of this truth of what God has called us to be, to receive God's word, to reevaluate our lives in light of God's word, and to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. But what we must understand today is as the church we have been entrusted with, a glorious banner, and not a burden, but it is to make much of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth. If you are in the room today and you consider yourself a part of the body of believers, that you have surrendered your life to Christ Jesus, God is counting on you to build his church. He's counting on you, us, to build his church. And not only those of us up here, church leaders, but all of us have a part to play in this. But first, we must understand something crucial to the mission. Listen to what Paul says in verse 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Stop right there. Paul and Apollos, Paul refers to them as servants. Servants. Church, what is a broken system is anything in which you believe that the church controls you or a church leader is above you. Paul makes it clear that we are simply here to serve you out of obedience to the calling that God has placed on our life. I am not above you. You are above me. And you are above each and every person who takes this stage, each and every person who serves you in the name of Christ Jesus. You are above them because this is exactly what Christ has called us to do is to be servants. And Paul continues, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Did you hear that? God gave the growth. Church, what we need to realize today is that each and every good thing that happens in our midst include what God's been doing over the two weeks, over 10 years almost through Connection Church. Each and every good thing that we have as a church is given by us from God. It is not because of a man. It is not because of a system. It's not because of a program. And it's not because of that brand on the outside of the building with the logo. You see, church, if you are here and you think it's all about connection and boasting and connection, you're wrong. It's never been about connection. Because you see, when we are kingdom-minded and we have the mind of the Messiah, here's what it would do, that if we were to only focus on building up the walls of connection, church, we would be selling ourselves short of what God wants to do through us in his kingdom. Amen? Church, I'm going to be honest with you here this morning. I pray, we have seen God do amazing things here. And I pray that that would not stop, but rather that it would increase. That we would see people, you surrender your lives to Jesus. That we would grow, that we would connect to a growing relationship with him. But here's the thing, as amazing as that might be, and I pray that it would be, I pray that our most effective ministry as Connection Church wouldn't happen in these four walls, but outside of them. Because there comes a time 
where we realize and we reevaluate that if we have the mind of Christ and we have been entrusted as the church to build his church and to grow his kingdom, it ain't about what goes on in these four walls. Amen? It's about us being the church outside. And we need to realize that it is God who gives the growth. Each and every person who comes to have a relationship with Jesus inside this building, it is not because somebody shook your hand when you walked in the door. It is not because somebody preached in an amazing message. It is not because worship was phenomenal. And it is, it was because God graciously afforded to us that he would add to our number as the people of God. Amen? Each and every good thing comes from God. God gives the growth, and God promises to grow us. Paul says that I laid the foundation, but remember, it wasn't about me. It's never been about me. And church, it's not about Brandon as much as I love him. It's not about me. It's not about anybody who comes and serves you in the name of Christ Jesus. There is only one pedestal in the kingdom of God, and that place is reserved for Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, you may see a man on this stage, but Jesus is on the throne always, amen? And God's church recognizes that. And we do not let silly, manly things get in the way. And we realize that Jesus has built us and Jesus has entrusted us to continue to build his church, amen? This is who we are as the church. And God has done just that. He has entrusted us to build to build up. And Paul talks about this. He says that he was the one who laid the foundation. But listen to what he says about that foundation in verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, church, here's the good news. Maybe you're here in the room and you're just getting overwhelmed by this task that God has entrusted to us right? This glorious thing. But maybe you're sitting here and you're overwhelmed. Here's the good news about this building that God has entrusted us to build. The blueprints for it come with the foundation. And as God's church, if Christ is not our foundation, then we have no foundation at all. No foundation at all. And if Christ be our foundation, then that means that no thing and no one else can be. No man no system, no service. It's got to be about him for he established it and he promises to grow it. Amen? But he asks us to build and to be careful of what it is that we are building with. Well, church, keep in mind that we have to receive scripture, reevaluate our lives and respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. We must first have this posture in our heart. Is not, does this apply to me? But rather, how does this apply to me? God speaks to us through his word and he is speaking to us today as the church, asking us to build. But here's what I realize, is that we cannot establish Christ as our foundation. We cannot reaffirm him as our foundation if he is not the foundation of our lives. Therefore, what we must do is not only receive the truth of God's word, but reevaluate each and every area in our lives. No relationship is off limits because everything is yours in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is over all, right? Reevaluate every, every relationship. Your marriage, your family, your coworkers, your brother and sister sitting right beside you in the room and reevaluate if your relationship with that person is built on the foundation of Christ Jesus. 
And if it is not, it is going to be especially hard for you to continue to build on the foundation that you claim is Christ Jesus. Church, to sum that up and put it simple and easy is that we cannot provide what we do not have. And if Christ is not the foundation of our lives, then he cannot be the foundation of our church. So what God is calling us today, me included today, is to reevaluate. We have received God's truth that it is him who brings the growth. It is him who has asked us to build and build well his church. He promises to build through us as we rely on him to grow us. But he is asking us now to reevaluate everything in life, every relationship. And if it's not centered on Christ Jesus, the faithful foundation that we have, then it's time to lay that over. It's time to lay that at his feet. It's time to ask God to intervene. It's time to ask Jesus to be the foundation in those relationships, to establish himself as the foundation in those relationships. Because again, we cannot contribute to God's building what we do not have. And what God has ultimately asked us to build is not just a group of people who gather together on Sundays. He's asked us to build a temple, a temple, a place of worship, a place that leads us to worship and after leaving here that would enable other people to worship by looking into the lifestyle of worship and praise and thanksgiving for what Jesus Christ has done in our own lives. So we have to evaluate not only personally, am I leading others, am I enabling others to worship Christ Jesus based off the way that I'm conducting my relationships with them, but we also have to evaluate what we do as a church. And here's the truth, if there is anything and everything, anything that we do that does not lead people to worship and enable other people to worship, then we are wasting our time. You see, the building that God has entrusted us to build, he has started it with us. What God has told us to be, worshipers in spirit and in truth, is exactly what God asks us to build. He's asked us to build. And you see, maybe it seems over your head right now, it seems like a tall task, but Christian, do not give up and do not lose hope in the room today in pursuing Christ in your relationships and pursuing Christ as the foundation of our church together. Do not give up for God empowers you because of his Holy Spirit within you. We are God's temple, Paul writes. We are God's temple the place for his Holy Spirit to move in and through our hearts and use us as a conduit to reach other people. And we've been equipped because remember in Christ Jesus, we have all we need, amen? We do not need more input because we have the Spirit freely and abundantly. God asks us if we will simply ask, he will give. And he is given if you are in the room and you are in Christ Jesus today. And if you are in the room and you are not in Christ Jesus, he is able to give his spirit to you. It's what we call salvation. It's surrendering your life, laying down every part about you to the truth of who Jesus is, proclaiming that Jesus is who he says he is, that he has done everything that he said that he would do. And now there is no other option but to surrender my life and obey him and walk in obedience to him trust that the Holy Spirit 
is making us more and more into the image of Christ Jesus today. Amen? This is the good news. And remember, as we leave here today, I pray that we would constantly have a posture of our heart that would reevaluate our lives in light of God's truth, for we have received His truth. Now it's up to us to reevaluate. And now it's up to us, even maybe here this morning, to respond in the way that the Holy Spirit is leading. So in a moment as we close, as I pray, I want to encourage you to move as God leads you to move. Maybe it is quiet prayer here in your seat. Maybe it is gathering together with those people whom you know are in the room that you have relationships with, that that relationship isn't built on Christ as the foundation. I'm reminded of an old song that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Maybe today you establish that relationship in your life as being built up on the foundation that is Christ Jesus. Perhaps it is for you stepping forward and saying that I have not surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, but today I do so. If that is you, I wanna simply ask you at the end of service to come forward where a member of our prayer team will meet you we cannot wait to celebrate with you and pray with you. No matter what it is, maybe it's something that you need to lay here at God's feet and trust him with it. No matter what it is, would you respond to the Holy Spirit's leading? And remember, as we go, God has never, ever expected you and I to be perfect. God has always expected that we would rely on his perfection even in the midst of our imperfection basing your relationships on the foundation that is in christ jesus it is not impossible because of the holy spirit alive in you you may be here in the room and you say but i don't have it all together it's okay you don't have to have it all together you don't you just have to believe that someone somewhere does have it all together and you're a part of it would you respond to the Holy Spirit's leading today as I pray would you move Father we thank you for today God we thank you for your word Lord just this fresh word of just encouragement of conviction God for me Lord and for our entire church God I pray that you would just continue to speak to our hearts Lord that you would just give us the spirit of just honesty and discernment, Lord, that we would search our hearts, that we would be able to identify those relationships, those things in our life that don't glorify you, that don't help build up your church, God, and that right now that we would lay those down at your feet. God, I pray that right now, Lord, that you would continue to hear the prayers of your people for the different relationships that are being prayed up in this room, whether it be marriages, whether it be families, whether it be coworkers, Lord, that you would restore those relationships right now, that you would establish yourself as the foundation in those relationships. God, that the newness of life in those relationships may be made available, that they would receive it. God, we know that it's been made available because of what Jesus has done. But God, I pray that you would just move right now, hear the prayers of your people. And God, you are faithful, we know that. So, Lord, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to respond in a way that is glorifying to you. God, not only in our personal lives, but also here at the church. God, we give you this church, Lord, for it is yours and yours alone. God, you bring the growth, and Jesus, you build it. You promise to build it. 
and you promise that the gates of hell will not come against it. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here right now, Lord, would be reminded of the powerful truth. Lord, not anything good that we've done, but reminded of what Jesus has done for us that he's made us the church, that we are the people who are the beacon of hope to the broken, that we are the people who are the place of healing for the hurting, that we're the grand station of grace. God, that we're the people who are sinners in need of a Savior. God, that we are imperfect people who praise a perfect God. God, remind us of that truth, Lord, and help it lead us to respond, to reevaluate and respond. Because, God, in our lives and in our church, Lord, we pray that Christ Jesus would be glorified. For all is His. He is over all. It is His church. And we are simply stewards. We are simply co-builders, God, with you in this. So God, help us to be faithful as we build, as we establish our lives on the foundation and our church on the foundation that is Christ Jesus. Lord, be with us now as we go. Lord, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Church, as you go, I just wanted to remind you that, of course, we did not take up offering in the normal way today. There are going to be connectors who are going to meet you at the way out with blue buckets. Please do give as you feel led today. Thank you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.